Let's pray. Father, open my mouth that I might speak in such a way as it makes it easy for people to hear what you have to say to them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, this is a sermon about hallowing God's name. Well, welcome to Advent. It is a fast according to the tradition of the church calendar. That is, you are not supposed to be scoffing down little cakes and dainties and drinking to your heart's content. You're supposed to be preparing yourself to be ready for the festivities of the coming of Christ. And usually there wouldn't be flowers in the church during Advent. But I'm going to point these out. Enjoy them because this is the flowers from David and Michelle's wedding. David Hargreaves, who got married yesterday. If you come to the service, you probably know. Anyway... Advent is a fast, and along with fasting goes praying. And so I thought we'd focus on a prayer during Advent this year. Advent is also a time of expectation of the coming of God's King, Jesus Christ, both his first coming in humility as the babe in the manger and his second coming in glory. And so I thought we'd focus on a prayer that prays your kingdom come. That is, I thought we'd focus on the Lord's Prayer. And so the plan for the next four weeks is that we do today, hallowed be your name. Then your kingdom come next week, your will be done the week after that. And the last week of Advent, I thought we'd squeeze in everything else. You know, give, forgive, save, deliver, all in one go. So that's the plan. I hope you can be with us throughout. And I hope that it's good to reflect on this prayer together. Uh, This is the model for prayer that Jesus taught. And if Jesus gave us these things to pray for that we find in the Lord's Prayer, then presumably they do reflect what God is planning and working to do. God will give us prayers to pray that he is ready to answer. Jesus would not encourage us to pray, hallowed be your name, if God had no interest in his name being hallowed, or of doing so himself. And so understanding the Lord's Prayer is a way of understanding what God is working to bring about in the world and so that we might join in. And so we study this prayer not just to learn how we might shape our prayers, but, how, but what God is up to, what are his deep purposes in the world. And so today I want to ask three questions. Firstly, what is this name that we pray will be hallowed? Secondly, what is this hallowing thing anyway? What does it mean to be hallowed? And thirdly, who is to do this hallowing? Who is to do it and how is it to be done? So let's begin with what is this name we pray will be hallowed? Uh, The name is the name of the Lord, God's name. But what does that mean? What is his name, you might ask? Well, let me make some comments about names before we get to that. Names can mean lots of things. They can be a way of labelling and identifying someone or something. My name is Ben Underwood and so if you call, hey Ben, across a room, you know, you've identified me and I might turn around uh, if I've heard you and see if you want to speak to me. So they identify, but they can mean for instance uh, your reputation. So your name can have a sense of 
what your reputation is. So her name is Mud around here. Means, you know, nobody really likes her very much. She might be a bit nasty. Or you might say of another, her name will live forever because of what she did. That is, and we're praising her to the skies. She's got a great reputation and everyone loves her around here. Name could also mean, uh, name could also specify, pick out, describe the nature or character or essence of a thing. There are lots of names that name what a thing actually is. So bus stop is a place where buses stop. Bedroom is a place where there's a bed in a room. The White House, it's a big White House. So they called it the White House. The Great Barrier Reef. It's a great big reef that forms a barrier. So that's what it's named. The name specifies what the thing is. It's not just a label. But when the Bible talks about God's name, it, it can include all of those senses. The Bible uses many names to identify God as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, or the Lord. And if you've got a Bible and you read the Lord in the Bible, sometimes you'll see it's kind of in small capitals. And you might think, why? Why is that? And if you look at the footnotes, you'll discover that that's a translation of um, a Hebrew set of four letters, the English equivalents of which are YHWH, the name of God given to Moses, and we read the account in Exodus 3. Let me read it to you. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Because those four Hebrew letters, Y-H-W-H, are a kind of form of the verb to be. And so the understanding of what the name means is Perhaps I am, that's the traditional way to understand it, but it could be a future tense, I will be. And so, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. That's the name that God gives to Moses to pass on to the Israelites. You might think that's a little enigmatic. But, in some ways, if we take it as God saying, what's my name, who am I, what's my essence, you want to know me, you want to know my name, well, I will be what I will be. I'll be who I'll be. That is, watch and see. You'll discover who I am. You'll discover my name by encountering me in your future as I deal with you. So, what does God do then from this point in Exodus on? He delivers his people from slavery. He gives them his law. He dwells with them as their God. He brings them into a land flowing with milk and honey. This is who God is. That's his nature, his essence. One who is a redeemer, who is a lawgiver, who is one who dwells with his people, who gives them a home and a place to call their own. This is the one who bears the name Yahweh or the Lord. That's who he is. And so it's this name, the name of the Lord, this one who is to be hallowed. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be hallowed? That's an old word we rarely use. You might know Halloween, but what's that got to do with the Lord's Prayer? You might know a phrase like the hallowed halls of learning or the hallowed grounds of, you know, the MCG. 
The modern choice of the old word hallowed might be the sanctified, you know, halls of learning or the holy grounds of the MCG. So the the prayer, let your name be hallowed, really means let your name be sanctified, let it be made holy, that is, let it be revered as sacred, treated as pure, exalted, divine. Now, God's name is hallowed in heaven. And the vision of God that Isaiah saw on the throne is a vision of heaven where angelic seraphim, burning ones, hallow God's name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They ceaselessly cry. There is a place where God's name is hallowed. Uh, The opposite of hallowed is profaned. And on earth, God's name is tragically profaned. It's desecrated and defiled. And this happens whenever we regard God as less than who he is. Less than the one who reigns over all things. The one who... The whole earth is full of his glory. Anytime we kind of think of the world in a different way, we fail to hallow God's name. Whenever we ignore him, defy him, misrepresent him, in a little bit of his name is, is profaned. And the, the tragedy of the Old Testament is the way that God's name is profaned even by Israel, by those whom God came to and revealed his name to and called to be his people. So the prophet Ezekiel, uh, God says to the nation through him, I poured out my wrath on them, on the Israelites. Why? Because they had shed blood in the land. Because they had defiled them with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people. And yet, they had to leave his land. So God's name was profaned because on the one hand, the Israelites defiled the land with their idols. They worshipped false gods. But once then they were ejected from the land, all the peoples around about might look at what had happened and say, huh, the people of the Lord, they've been kicked out of their land. The enemies came and defeated them. The Lord is weak. He could not defend his land. He could not save his people. And in that way, God's name is profane. It's not seen for the glorious, uh, true God that he is. And so if in heaven God's name is hallowed, but on earth it's profane, then the question arises, who will hallow God's name on earth? And when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, We are asking God for something. We're asking him to bring about a new situation where his name is hallowed and not profaned. We are saying to God, hallow your name, make it holy amongst us. Cause your name to be regarded and seen and known as holy in and by all creation. And... There's a way in which you can understand everything that God does in the world as answering that very prayer. That God is in the business of hallowing his name. This is true in the way that he dealt with Israel. 
Israel who had profaned his name because they were judged and scattered. Let me read on in Ezekiel, where in verse 23 of 36, God says, I will show the holiness of my great name. I will show the holiness of my great name. In other words, I will hallow my name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For, and here's how God promises to hallow his name. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give to you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So God promises to restore his people and in doing so, hallow his own name. It's true that God hallows his own name in dealing with his Old Testament people of Israel. It is true that God hallows his own name when he deals with the whole world by sending his son. In the end, Jesus is the one. He is the one who hallows God's name on earth. And he does it because he comes and lives in complete obedience to God amongst us. Uh, We could go to Philippians 2, where we've been not long ago at St Edmund's, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here is the hallowing of God's name. It begins with Christmas. It begins with the babe in the manger. It begins with the Son of God being found in appearance as a man. And it goes on as he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God continues through Christ to hallow his own name on earth. And in the resurrection and the ascension, God is hallowing his name. Christ is hallowing his name. And ultimately, in Christ's return, that will be the consummation of the hallowing of God's name on earth. For God has given his own name to Jesus. Jesus has the very identity and character of God. We read, therefore, because of his obedience and death, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And so it will be that God's name is hallowed for good and all when the exalted Christ returns. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if we ask who will hallow God's name, the first answer is God will. God has, God is, and God will hallow his name. And so we pray according to his will when we pray, hallowed be your name. But we might ask, will anyone else hallow God's name? We've already seen that the answer is yes, that at the name of Jesus, that is at the name that is above every name, every knee shall bow. That name will be hallowed. Our New Testament reading has a vision not just of heaven being the place where God's name is acclaimed, but the whole creation. Revelation 5, 13 and 14. Then I heard 
every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. So hallowed be your name is a prayer that will be answered. Not only will God hallow his name, all creation will hallow God's name in the end. And so let me ask a final question. To what extent is this prayer being answered even now in your life? Is your life part of the answer to the prayer, hallowed be your name? If you have bowed the knee to Jesus, if you've recognised him to be God the Son, our Saviour, our friend and helper, and also the Lord, the Lord of Lords, then God's name is hallowed in you and in your life. But of course, there's a way for each of us to go in hallowing God's name day to day. Just as everything God does can be seen as him hallowing his name, so everything we do can also be seen as us hallowing God's name, or not. Hallowing God's name begins in our hearts. To what extent do we love God? To what extent does our own inner being cry day by day like those seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. To what degree are you expanding your vision of God, consolidating your knowledge of God, deepening your appreciation of God through reading and study, through reflection and prayer? Hallowing God's name begins in our heart and our mind and works itself out in our lives. And so we can ask, to what extent do we hallow God's name with our words? Our words to others, do they honour God in their tone, in their intent, in their content? To what extent do we hallow God's name in our aims, in what our goals are, what we work towards. Do those goals and aims serve the glory of our own name? Or do they work to the glory of God's name? Do they reflect our own priorities? Or do they reflect God's priority that we love one another? To what extent do we hallow God's name in the things that we do or hold back from doing? in the revenge that you don't take, in the forgiveness that you do offer, in the promise that you don't break, or in the hospitality that you do offer. All our lives, our situations, our capacities are different. Our struggles and our opportunities are uniquely our own. But as we pray, hallowed be your name, we can think not only of the fact that God has done and will do this thing, this hallowing of his name, but we can also think of how we, ourselves, day by day, hour by hour, can be part 
of the answer to that prayer ourselves. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray this, Lord, in the confidence that you have given this prayer to us to pray and so that it is your will that we pray it and that it is answered. And so we pray, Lord, that we would see clearly the way you have hallowed your name. You are hallowing your name and you will hallow your name, not only in heaven, but on earth and indeed everywhere. And, Lord, we pray that we, even now in our own lives, would be part of the answer to that prayer. That as we pray, hallowed be your name, so our lives would indeed increasingly hallow your name, treat it as holy, as lifted up, as ready to be honoured, that you would be loved, trusted, obeyed in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.